the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee, in the greater Nashville area, in the southern suburbs of Nashville, in the heart of Tennessee, with Tennessee and the world at heart, this is Making a Difference, and I'm Dr. Shelton Smith. What a joy it is to welcome you on this Friday. We're glad that you've joined us, and we're looking at a series of messages out of 2 Timothy entitled, So Here We Are. And I'm going to be looking at some more details about what that means. We're living in a world of darkness, but Jesus has made us light when we come to him. And we have the privilege to shine as lights in this old darkened world. And yet we struggle with that sometimes, but we have a lot of help right here in 2 Timothy that'll strengthen our hand, strengthen our heart, that'll help us to get the job done. So we're going to look at that momentarily. Well, the weekend is just ahead, and I know that whenever we think about the weekend, we're thinking about the Lord's Day, we're thinking about Sunday, and this Lord's Day I'll be preaching at the Bellwood Baptist Church here in Murfreesboro Sunday morning and Sunday night, and we invite you to come and be a part of the service there. And then uh, come July, I'm announcing almost every day, because I sure don't want you to miss out on it, the National Sword of the Lord Conference, July 17 through 20, and that's over in North Carolina, the Winston-Salem area at Walkertown, North Carolina. Great facility there, great place. I mean, all kinds of good things, and this conference is something you really want to get in on. Check us out at thesortofthelord.com. All of the details are there, along with a lot of other things. Well, let's get right to our study. Here we are at uh, 2 Timothy. And let me read again chapter number 3, which is kind of setting the stage for this. In verse 1, it tells us, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And then it gives that list of things. Men will be lovers of themselves. They'll be covetous. They'll be unholy. They'll be without natural affection. They'll be false accusers. They'll be high-minded. They'll be lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. A whole list of things there, a long list of things. And then it says about that list of individuals, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And the Bible then says, from such turn away. Now, that is the world where we live. I mean, whenever you walk out into the world and all of its darkness, you'll find all of that stuff. Now, unfortunately, there are professing Christians and professing churches that are adopting many of those very same things, and they are letting the world dictate how they function, how they perform, and letting the world really redefine what it means to be a Christian. Now, the fact that they redefine, the fact that they reinterpret, the fact that they do a retake on all of these things Christian doesn't mean that a thing has changed. It doesn't mean they're right, but it does mean that is the way they're going. Now, you and I have the privilege to stay true to the Word of God, and that's what this passage here in 2 Timothy is designed to help us with, to get us on the right track. And so here's some pointers to be made. Chapter 2 and verse number 9, the Bible tells us, the Apostle Paul said, "...wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds." talking about the fact that he is incarcerated, even as this is being written, he's being treated like trash, being treated like a criminal, being treated like somebody that uh, is just the off-scouring of society. 
but he's none of that. He is, in fact, a solid Christian, and that's the reason why they've put him in jail. So he says, I suffer trouble. They treat me like an evildoer. They've even put me in bonds. But he says, the word of God is not bound. Now, you and I need to understand this. That's why we need to repeatedly preach the gospel. That's why we repeatedly need to teach the great whole counsel of God. I mean, everything that is in the Bible needs to be preached. It needs to be taught. It needs to be rehearsed again and again and again and again. And the reason for that is somebody doesn't get it all the first day, and so we have to help them a second day, a third day, a fourth day. Some folks will get things immediately. They'll latch on to the very best things right up front, but many people do not. And even whenever there are people making the right response and getting things right with God, there's still thousands upon tens of thousands of people all about us who are paying no attention whatsoever. And those are folks who also need to be reached. I know in these days we have all kinds of things that relate to the darkness in our world. I mean, the shootings that take place in the churches and schools and theaters and uh, sporting venues and other places like that, where that innocent people are killed and uh, drive-by shootings in neighborhoods and robberies and rapes and all kinds of things going on like that that are happening because somebody is in the darkness, somebody is following the mandates of Satan, and they're doing those kinds of things. That is the world where we live. Well, what do we do about that? Well, just today, I heard some people talking on a radio talk show, and they were talking about the need for more psychologists and more psychiatrists and more counselors and more social workers, and uh, maybe some of that helps. I don't know. I'm not sure about that, but uh, here's what I do know. The real thing that needs to happen, the drive-by shooter needs to be taught right from wrong. From the time that that child is in the cradle, I mean, all the way up through high school until they're out on their own as an adult, some mom and dad needs to be teaching them right from wrong. The churches in the neighborhood need to be standing for right and standing against wrong. And the schools need to be teaching right from wrong. All of this malarkey, I'll call it, all of this stuff that is being taught these days that you can't tell a child that a lie is a lie, or you can't tell them they stole something when they stole something, all of that is just absolute nonsense, and it has produced people in our society who have very little concept of right from wrong. And we need to ingrain into people what is right and what is wrong. And uh, listen, we don't have to go any further than just look at the book of Proverbs, look at the Ten Commandments. We can find the facts about those issues. And whenever we do that, remember, that will have an impact on society. The crime rate will go down if we do that. Now, what he tells us here, the Apostle Paul said, he himself may be incarcerated, but the Word of God is not incarcerated. The Word of God is not bound. And so if you and I will be open, if we will give our testimony, I mean, right here at this microphone on this station every single day, I open the Bible. I talk to you about the things that I believe the Bible teaches, and we're not going to spare any of that. We're going to give it out as we see what the Bible has to say. And you say, why do you talk so plainly? We talk plainly because we want everybody to get hold of it. We want everybody to understand it. And we really believe that if we get people to align themselves with the Lord God of heaven, if everybody will decide that they need a Savior and they come to Christ, get born again, and at the same time yield themselves to the Word of God, 
I'm telling you, you won't have drive-by shootings. You won't have people flying airplanes into buildings. You won't have people committing sexual atrocities. You will not have people robbing banks. That puts a stop to all of that crazy stuff that is so prevalent in the darkness. And whenever we talk about the unbound word, that is a vital consideration, and it's one that needs to be heralded in our society over and over and over again. And whether you're in a small country church or in some large church in a city or whether you are wherever that you are, I'm just telling you, we all need to be raising the flag to the top of the pole every single day and flying the Lord's flags highly, I mean unashamedly, and without reservation. Now, here's another verse, number 10 in chapter 2, that ties quickly onto that. That verse says, Therefore, based on the fact that the Word of God is not bound, in verse 9, verse 10 says, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sakes, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So what's he talking about here when he talks about the elect? Well, the fact is, when Jesus died on the cross, he elected to save lost sinners. Now, some folks want to say, well, some are elected and some are not. We do not believe that for a moment. We believe that Jesus died for everybody. His death on the cross made arrangements so that anybody and everybody could be saved. And when he talks about the elect's sake here, he's not talking about some exclusive club. He's talking about the fact that every single person has been elected for salvation. That is, the Lord has elected to save them. But at the same time, every single person can either receive that election or they can deny that election. Some people refuse the election. There are times, there have been instances here in American history where people have been elected to office and then refused to serve. And so it is that if you have the option to be saved, but you elect not to do that, then uh, you have, in fact, uh, chosen not to be saved. And you can do that. But you can also choose to receive what the Lord has elected to do for you. So let's be sure and understand here what it is we're doing when we talk about election or use that word elect. It's not some uh, Calvinistic idea that we're talking about at all, not in any shape, form, or fashion. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, I'm willing to endure all things. I'm willing to put up with whatever. And he, of course, is talking about the uh, incarceration, among other things. But he said, I will endure all things in order to see that these folks who can be saved, that they will be saved, and that they have the opportunity to hear about the message of salvation. You and I need that same kind of resolve in our city, in our area where we live and work. I mean, uh, every place that I go in my travels out across North America and uh, other times when I've traveled around the world, every place that I go, every microphone that I get, every time that I stand in front of a live audience— I want to present the gospel, among other things that I may be doing, but I also want to make an appeal to people who may be in that audience to come to Christ. And even here on this broadcast, I'm sure that from time to time, there may be somebody listening to this broadcast, and maybe a lot of somebodies, who haven't yet received the Savior. And that's why that I continually say, come to Christ, receive the Savior. Jesus died on the cross. He arose from the grave. He made arrangements for your salvation, but he'll not force it on you. 
It'll be a matter for you to voluntarily decide that you're going to put your trust in the crucified and risen Christ and let him become your Savior, forgive you of your sin, birth you into the family of God, and reserve a place for you in heaven when you die. So here we are. Oh, yes, we're in this old world with all of its trashy ways, with all of its darkness, That's where we are. That's where we live. We're living in a violent world. We're living in a world where crazy seems to take shape every single morning, first thing. And we have to understand that we're living in that kind of an environment. But the truth is, the Word of God is not bound by that darkness. The Word of God is not bound by all of that violent behavior. And if you and I will simply get the word out, it will have an impact. And that means that we take that word and we give it to every single person that we possibly can in order to introduce them to the Savior, in order to get them to turn from their sinful ways and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. When you begin to listen to him, it is going to make a mighty difference in how you behave. The word of God from the very beginning in Genesis all the way through the last chapter of the Revelation has just point after point after point about how we conduct ourselves, about how we function in this world of darkness. You and I are, because we're saved, whenever we come to Christ, we become the light in the world. We become a dispenser of light. We're to let our light shine. And when we do, that always dispels the darkness. The darkness may be powerful. It may do damage where it's allowed to just do its thing. But the light, and the light of the Lord in particular, it shines and dispels the darkness at every turn in the road. And you and I have every reason to be encouraged even in these days with all of this stuff that is listed here as the characteristics of the time. So yes, here we are. But let's not give in. Let's not be discouraged. Let's not let up. Let's continue to do what we ought to do as a Christian. Well, come Monday, we'll do some more of this, but I trust you'll join me and do have a great weekend. And in the meantime, write me a note. I'd love to hear from you. Write to me, Dr. Shelton Smith at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. Look, have a great weekend, and I'll be right back here Monday. Hope you'll join me then. God bless you. Have a good rest of the day, and goodbye for now.